Talk a little Blue Jays baseball. Happy to bring on longtime Blue Jays writer and podcaster, Drew Fairservice. Drew, what's up, man? Mr. Dunlop, I'm so excited to be talking to you today. <laughs> I am very excited to be talking to you, too. I had Aaron Bronsetter on uh, in the last hour, so I feel like this is just like old friends reunion radio. Old friends reunion, except we're going to be much nicer to you when you walk by wearing a Portugal jersey in the office <laughs> than we used to be. Yeah, yeah. Those uh, I haven't worn a Portugal jersey in this office here, but I, I was on uh, TSN 1050 doing the World Cup coverage uh, when Portugal lost to Morocco, and I must say that was uh, it was hard not to be biased. It was hard not to be biased. That's okay. I, I understand. You're allowed to have one. <laughs> you know, and I mean, we could talk about Villa if you want, if you want to bring it back and keep it like really super fan to me. But uh, we can also talk about the Blue Jays. Yeah, well, the Blue Jays are uh, leaving people with a lot to talk about. Uh, uh, you know, well, we can talk Aston Villa a little bit later when Unai Emery has them winning the Conference League. Maybe we'll do a, maybe we'll do an April or a, uh, a you know April or May show and talk about the next Blue Jays season. But in terms That's of this, what I'm here to do. <laughs> I'm here to give you the Conference League playbook. For later in the year, but for now we'll talk to the Jays. There we go, man. Uh, I don't know how much longer we'll be talking about the Blue Jays this season because the way that they're playing, they don't look like a team that's going to be in October. I mean, to lose the first two games and, and the way that they did, be outscored the way that they were against the Rangers, uh, I feel like you know they got punched in the mouth in that first game, and uh, now that we're looking at a best-case scenario being a split, like, this feels like a disaster scenario for this team right now. I mean, I think they will benefit, and we can kind of take some solace in the fact that it is a four-game series. So there is an opportunity to sort of get out with your life a little bit. Um, but you know, obviously losing the first two games puts way too much pressure on a team that has you know, not shown any ability to withstand pressure at all this year. Absolutely not. And But then making the playoffs and against you know a team – Going up against this team now that's also in, in must-win mode, but a team that was super vulnerable in the Rangers, I think it's these high-pressure situations that like we've seen the Jays really struggle with, which makes me nervous if you're looking at laying money on them making the playoffs, which was minus 430 at the start of this week, and now on FanDuel it's minus 200. I don't know if I'm even comfortable laying that bet. It's so, it's so weird because the Blue Jays look like a team that's built for the playoffs. They catch the ball so well. The defense is great. The pitching is really good. They've added so much depth to the bullpen. This is the kind of team that you think, like, this is a playoff baseball team. This is what it's supposed to look like. But what we've seen this year in series that probably aren't as big as this one, obviously, but they have this weird ability to, like, come up small. They're just not, you know, the, the, the sort of clutch boogeyman has chased them all year long and while we saw them obviously play much better against work against bad teams um although so much of that situational hitting that you know you look at their numbers with the bases loaded and numbers with runners in scoring position like so much of that stuff is just luck right at the end of the day the rangers when they were really good those numbers were up and the rangers slump and then those numbers go down like there's a real connection it's not necessarily a quote-unquote repeatable skill but the blue jays have just not been able to get it going when they need to the most and you, you, to your point about, like, would you bet on them to do that? I don't know. But you, your, your faith is not ever, doesn't seem like it's going to be repaid by this current version of the Blue Jays. And it's crazy, too, that's like, you know, if you've seen so many of these star players have go through these runs, ruts, I should say, of inconsistency. We've been waiting all season for Vladdy to, to be Vladdy. Uh, but Boba has been pretty good, uh, with the exception of a few ruts. Here we are now, though, uh, two games into the series. Both those guys are 0 for 8 at the plate. Like, I don't even know how to explain that. 
No, it's just, again, the, the timing sucks. Vladimir Guerrero, Jr., Vladimir Guerrero Jr. really does not look good, right? He doesn't look good at the plate. He doesn't look like 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 himself. He doesn't look like any version of himself that anyone would have been betting or, or, or assuming we were going to see at any point. He just, um, he has not been able to rise to the moment. And it's really unfortunate. It's, it's not, you don't want to throw it all at his feet because, for better, for good parts of the season, you know, George Springer was all but anonymous, and Alejandro Kirk has had a truly, you know, terrible season at the plate. Um, obviously, Matt Chapman, when he's been healthy, he was great at the beginning of the season, but on balance, his numbers are just pretty okay, very similar to last season. But at the end of the day, it looks, you, you have to look to Vlad. He hits in the middle of the order. He's the biggest star in the team. He, you know, he, he won the, the, the home run derby, which, again, he's, he's at this weird point in his career where he's more famous than he is successful. Do you know what I mean? And it's, it's not exactly where you want to be because you're relying on him. You're relying on Bobby Shad. It sounds like such an old cliche that you need your best players to be your best players. But if they're not getting production from the middle of their order, then they're not going to win. They're not going to be Texas. They're not going to be Seattle. They're not going to be Houston. They're not going to beat anybody. Even the Wobegon, you know, Knicks or uh, Lakers and, and, and Lakers. What am I talking? Yankees and Red Sox. They're bad too, but they can't. If, if those guys don't hit, they won't be able to beat anybody. Like if they do make the playoffs by a game and a half, two games, you can honestly make the argument that David Schneider got them in the playoffs because he he's won them a couple of games. Like that to me is just wild that you have someone on a t- you know the wouldn't wasn't expected to be on this team uh, be someone who's been so impactful because the other guys the big names haven't been the best players. I mean that's sometimes that's what it takes, right? Sometimes that's what it takes to to kind of overcome and and have a great season out of nowhere. But the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays needed those kinds of contributions from lesser lesser lights to, to succeed this year, but they've gotten that. So across the board, they've gotten a great season from Brandon Belt. They've gotten, you know, such good production from Kevin Kiermaier, probably more at the plate than they ever would have expected. And then you start to throw in, you know, David Schneider. And, and absolutely, I mean, if that's what it takes, if that's what it takes to get them in, and then all you need is, you know, two good weeks of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. All you need is a few good situational at-bats from, from Bo Bichette. And then all this is forgotten. Right, if the Blue Jays make a deep run in October against all odds, uh, where we sit right now, um, all this is going to be forgotten. But it, they are in tough because they just they haven't been able to deliver. They haven't been able to deliver situationally, and you know all the everything looks like it should be there. But Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s very strange season is, is ongoing, and you know I saw there was somebody shared a photo of him out there doing early BP today. You know, it's not for lack of effort, but it's just not been able to deliver when it matters. Mm-hmm. We're talking Blue Jays baseball with longtime Blue Jays writer and podcaster Drew Fairservice, Alec Manoa. Man, I'm like, what's your take on the whole situation? I mean, the, the story comes out that he refused to go down to AAA. Uh, he hasn't been able to find it this season. That we're not going to see him again. Like overall, this is this is a storyline no one could have predicted. No, it's it's a it's a really unfortunate turn. Obviously, you don't want to see the. You don't see his relationship with the fans sour as much as anything. People love mm-hmm. Alec Manoa. They loved Alec Manoa, you know, after their two amazing seasons with the Blue Jays. Um, they've been able to weather not having him, right? The pitching, you know, hasn't missed a beat. Uh, but just the way the relationship looks to have uh, gone south, I can't help but think that he's maybe getting some bad advice. Um, I think that, that maybe his agent or his team, you know, there was a lot of reference to that in the comments about his, his, uh, his group, whatever, his, his, his people around him maybe not giving him the best advice. I mean, Alec Manoa, throughout his entire time in the big leagues, he, uh, you may not, we may not remember, it was kind of easy to forget. When you are a pre-arbitration player like Alec Manoa, the Blue Jays have kind of these ladders built in, so you can either get what is just a straight renewal, or they can, based on your performance, give you a little bit of extra money before you're arbitration eligible. 
Alec Manoa refused that those elevators. He took just the straight renewal to prove a point. So Alec Manoa knows, well, you know, the dirty secret about baseball is that those younger players are often exploited. So he kind of dug his heels in and almost sort of set the stage for this a couple of years, you know, uh, at the beginning of the season and even the beginning of last season. So I can't help but think that maybe at this moment, though, he's getting a little bit of bad advice because his performance isn't one that that has permitted him to be in on the big league roster. You know, straight up, he, he was injured. He was he was so ineffective. Um, this is the time for him to be really getting down there and, and seeing if he can get to work. And it's tough. You know, I can imagine this is, he's never struggled like this before. And 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 combine those that feeling of uncertainty with with again maybe not the best kind of advice that you could offer a young guy in his position. Um, but there are millions of dollars at stake, so it's easy to get um, easy to get put the blinders on a little bit. I think at times. Uh, the Jays will be writing some checks uh, this offseason for sure in terms of guys that are playing on the team right now. Hyunjin Ryu, Matt Chapman, Brandon Belt, Kevin Kiermeyer. Free agency is coming for them. Who should be the priority for the Blue Jays? That's a good question. And I saw someone else say this the other day. The Blue Jays have a habit of saying thanks for your contribution. You know, go get your money. You know, Marcus Simeon has crossed the diamond from them this week, and he's a great example of that. They, they could have been in there and thrown a big pile of money at Marcus Simeon. They could do the same um, for, for Matt Chapman, I, I think that the challenge with the Blue Jays right now is there's a little bit of a gulf between you know, where their prospect, where their farm system is going to start producing big players um, to, to where they are. So they are going to have some, some question marks. They are going to have some holes to fill in. And, and you know, the Jays and the, and the current front office has shown a real willingness to spend in free agency, which is great. But at the same time, some of those chickens are going to start to come home to roost pretty soon. You know, the back end of George Springer's deal, they did give him an extra year over what um, most folks out there were offering him. So you, you got the back end of, of Springer's deal to deal with, and, and you know, you still got you know, the best parts of, of Gosman's deal. Plus, you've got big big raises coming up for Bo Bichette, and most notably Vladimir Guerrero Jr. We talk about Manoa as a baseball called Super 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Vladdy is due some pretty big paydays over the next two years. Even even without um, you know, performing this level, uh, to a high level this year, he's still going to get a big raise. So the leaders have a lot of questions to ask, and, and I think those big paychecks coming to Vladimir, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. may pa- cause them to think, like, well, who is this guy? Because he might be he's looking at 25 or even $30 million in 2025, and it's like if he's a not super productive first baseman, like that's a conversation that they need to start to have, which is really, really crazy to say out loud. It really is, honestly. That, something that you wouldn't have predicted, even at the All-Star game, even, even at the Home Run Derby. If, if someone told you, this is how he would play coming into September, and you genuinely have the conversation like, is he worth thirty million bucks? And it is wild. The off season for them is going to be something big. I mean, if they if they miss the playoffs, but even if they lose in the wild card game, like how aggressive do you think the Toronto Blue Jays will have to be this off season? Well, I, I can't imagine them get being desperate, right? I think huh. that they they are in that mode where they have to sort of reevaluate. And when you look at the money that they've got and the players that they've got on the books, I mean, they've got Bassett, they've got Gosman, they've got Springer. So they're not exactly in a position to kind of reload. That would be really shocking, I guess is what I'm saying. If they decide they're going to clear house and start trading everybody and sending off all this money. But uh, they're, going to, they're going to have to do something relatively drastic because, because they, they need to hit and they need to figure out where that offense is going to come from because they can't count on it from a lot of different spots around the diamond. Um, you know, maybe Dalton Varsho moves to center field if, with, if Kiermaier moves on. And uh, you still got a, a, now a hole in the outfield, and you still got offense again. You, and you have those big questions behind the plate, right? They, they, they bet on Alejandro Kirk. So it's like, well, is he going to hit? Because he hasn't hit this year. He has so few extra base hits. It's really been um, 
distressing to watch. And then, you know, the big question is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and, and even Bo Bichette, right? They need to they need to figure out who what they've got with those two. I mean, I think they know what they've got with Bichette, um, but they have to make some big decisions about what those two are going to be moving forward because I think everything else sort of revolves around that. Last one, then. The most important question of this conversation. Can Aston Villa finish top six in the Premier League and also win the Conference League in the same season? I don't think that they can. I think that they are, there are too many good teams in the top ten, including, of course, the Masters and defending Europa Conference League champions, West Ham United, who are too massive for Aston Villa to overtake this year. Oh, wow. Um, I think that, you know, that's, it, you follow, that, follow that path, right? Win the Conference League, you get into Europa League, and then you never know, right? Then maybe you're looking to just sneak it into the back door of the of Champions League. And then you can start to really make some money. But, you know, Villa's playing beautiful, some beautiful football these days, or mostly at the end of last year. But you got to watch out. Webcam, they're just too massive. <laughs> there you go, man. Well, who knows? Uh, I don't know who Villa would sell for 100 million pounds next summer. But uh, I definitely take the, the run in, in Europe, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. This is great, man. I'm, go ahead. Sorry. I was, was going to say, it was great. It was the time of my life. Conference League, Tin Pop Championship. Doesn't matter. It was the time of my life. <laughs> Yeah, up there with the Intertoto Cup in terms of West Ham history. Uh, Drew, this was great, pal. Look forward to uh, talking baseball with you again soon. Enjoy the rest of the season. Hopefully we're talking about Blue Jays baseball in October, man. Thank you, my friend. Have a good one. Drew Fairservice, longtime Blue Jays writer and podcaster.